Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, we're, we're doing a series called Weathering Life with a Sovereign God. And that's basically what we're doing, right? We're weathering life. The older you get, you think, is it going to get any better? No, it's just life. But the reality is, is you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with God, a God who's in control, a sovereign God. And and to be honest with you, First Samuel is a great book to study about faith lessons about how you and I are to weather life. And we've seen it through Samuel, we've seen it through Saul, now we're seeing it through the life of David, before he's king. And David has the opportunity to take matters into his own hands and have vengeance. We saw it last week where he could have killed Saul when Saul was in the cave, this week we're going to see it with a fellow by the name of Nabal. And then there's another incident again with Saul where God gives Saul into David's hands and David could react. And that's really what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about letting things go instead of reacting. Because do you react? Oh, you're not like me. I react. Do you react? And we react to those who offend us and hurt us. In fact, to be honest with you, I would like to say we're short-fused. Why? Because you react. It's only natural. You know, like, so this week we're going to go camping. I love camping. I love my camper. And, and so we'll have a fire, and we'll sit around the fire, and we'll make mountain pies, and, and you know, and, and, and we'll roast, cook hot dogs, and they'll have s'mores. And, and, you know, while you're there, you know what it's like. All of a sudden, while you're there, it is the woods. So what's in the woods? Critters. And what's one of the most pesky critters? Mosquitoes. And it'll come over, and it'll, and it'll be on your leg, and your arm, or your leg, or something. And what does it want to do? It wants to suck your blood. And so there it is. It's irritating you. And your natural reaction is, oh, slap it, right? Because that's what you do is react. That's natural. Reaction is natural. Think about it. Reactions are normal because we're short-fused. Now, here's two thoughts I want you to see here. Number one, it's become culturally acceptable to lose your cool. Have you noticed that? It's become culturally acceptable to lose your cool. Have, have you noticed how people just go ballistic over anything these days? I mean, I just read about a guy suing Hardee's. Why would you sue a fast food joint? You didn't give me enough chicken nuggets. Do they count how many they put in your... I mean, they just give you a medium container. A reaction. Or coming across the table at a clerk or a waitress with short fuse. The news is filled with that, right? Oh, that's those other people. Really? How's the last time you addressed that telemarketer that you accidentally picked up on? Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're short fused. 
And it's culturally acceptable to be offended, right? Isn't that true? It's culturally acceptable to be offended at everything and anything. I succumb to it. We all succumb to it. We get all worked up. And we react. Here's the second thing. We do not anticipate the collateral damage from our emotional explosions. You know, when you get to the place where all you're doing is reacting, I can almost tell you you're not thinking. And one of the things that you're not thinking about is what happens when the explosion is over. We don't normally think about that. We just react. And the fact of the matter is, is that when you talk about being short-fused, you don't anticipate the consequences. You just let it fly. Let the chips fall where they may. And I'll be honest with you, when the chips fall, it usually isn't in a good way in your life. Relationships are hurt. That's the big one, right? Relationships. We destroy the things around us because we're short-fused. We react. Oftentimes, we end up hindering our plans of what God wants to do in our lives. And aren't you glad sometimes he intervenes in our lives to make sure that we don't really destroy ourselves with our reactions? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about letting it go. Because a lot of us have got to learn to what? Let it go. So let's talk about it. We're going to go through this passage. It's a story about a guy by the name of Nabal. Nabal is the Hebrew word for fool. Because he was a fool. And so I want you to notice with me. Look at chapter 25. Look at verse 2. Now there was a, a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. And this man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. And the name of the man was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus she shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shears, and your shepherds were with us, and we did not harm them. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes into your hand to your servant and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words that in the name of David and waited. Now Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away one from his master. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men that I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to the men, 
every man girded on his sword. So every man girded on his sword. David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. First thing I want you to see about this story is called, I'm going to name this section, Provoked. You ever been provoked? That's where reactions come from, right? Is when you're provoked. David's being provoked here. Here's what's going on. You need to understand their culture. In their day, they're an agrarian culture, so that's basically they're, they're herders, sheep herders, or farmers. And because it's, you know, it's still that time when they have enemies around them, what ended up happening is, is that when the sheep herders would go out, they would have to be careful because somebody might steal from them. Somebody might take their sheep. Somebody might kill them. Well, David and his men, remember, he's on the run from King Saul. David and his men are in the area on the run, but what they do while they're on the run, they're providing protection to who? The sheep herders, especially to Nabal's sheep herders. And they made sure that they didn't take anything from the sheep herders. They didn't steal any sheep. They didn't steal any goats. Because that would be tempting if you've got to feed people. And it looks like he's got 400 men. He's got to feed them. It'd be tempting to steal from them, but he didn't. He made sure that they were okay. Now, what would happen is, is when you provide that kind of service to somebody, ultimately, the cultural thing to do in their culture was, is that you would expect something in return a favor, a gift out of gratitude for doing that for us. We kind of still do that today, right? A lot of times I'll give somebody a ride and they'll want to give me what? Gas money. You ever done that? Thanks for doing that for me or, or I'll buy you lunch or something. And, and that's what's going on here. So it's the sheep shearing time. So they got all the sheep. They're shearing the sheep. And usually there's a feast and so there's lots of food. So David sends a certain number of his young men to go to Nabal and say, hey, we've been taking care of you in a nice way. Would you bless us? Well, Nabal, remember, Scripture tells us he's, he's a pretty ignorant, evil man. And he asks a question because it's almost like, who's David? Who's the son of Jesse? Well, that right off the bat tells you he knows who he is. But he's questioning his validity. And then he says, there are many servants who are running from their masters. He knows what's going on, but he doesn't care. He's not going to help him. He's provoking David. You ever been provoked? Yeah. Probably going to happen this week, right? Happened last week. Happens every week. Somebody's provoking you. Three things I want you to see here, okay? First of all, the power of a personal offense manifests itself in an immediate reaction. That's the power of the personal offense. The power of the personal offense. As soon as that slight happens, as soon as that insult takes place, as soon as that action happens in your life, that has power. And that power makes you what? React. You ever notice that? In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, what that reveals is, is that whoever is hurting you, whoever is slandering you, whoever is the one who's offending you, you just gave them the key to your life because they, through their action, have power over you because they knew, you've heard this statement, they knew which button to push. 
Ever heard somebody say that? Oh, watch me push his button. Well, they know what button to push with you, and they pushed it. And guess what? You push that button, there's a reaction. The power of the personal offense manifests itself in an immediate reaction. So like that mosquito coming along, you're going to react. That little bitty mosquito has power to get me to act. Whatever's going on in your life has power to get you to react. And if you notice, folks, let's be honest. We're always reacting to the same thing all the time, right? Or the same person. Same offenses. Always reacting. Always. Here's the second thing. The reaction tends to go beyond the offense. It's like I was reading in the paper month ago about a guy down in South Carolina had cockroach problem in his house now I'll be honest we have cockroaches up here down south we have a different type of cockroach and in, in, in South Carolina where I grew up we call them palmetto bugs they have wings they fly they're big and orange and they're ugly and this guy had them in his house and he decided he was going to take care of them so rather than going and getting spray he uses his shotgun. Would you say that's an overreaction? But that's what happens, isn't it? When we react, when we're provoked, a lot of times our reaction tends to go beyond the offense. Think about this. David is offended. The guy says, the guy says, I'm not giving him anything. Guess what David does? He gets so angry, he doesn't just react. He says to 400 of his men, guard your swords. We're going to go deal with this guy. I mean, it's not like me going and talking to body slamming the guy myself. I'm taking 400 bodyguards with me. Would you say that's an overreaction? I mean, it's like, I mean, really, he's perturbed here. And isn't that what we usually do? The slightest little offense, we overreact on. Slightest little offense. We get provoked, and we respond. Can I tell you why? I can tell you why David acted this way. It's called anger. It's been building up in him. And Nabal just happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and say the wrong thing. You know, a lot of times when I react, I'll be honest with you, it's because stuff's just building up on the inside of me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's just, at that moment, you're the straw that broke my camel's back. You're the spark that ignited the gasoline that's going on in my heart. And so when I blow up, I blow up. And you're like, what do I do? It's what's going on in my life. And so the reaction tends to go beyond the offense. goes beyond the offense. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Retribution becomes an all-consuming mindset. Look with me at verse 21 and 22. Look at what David says here. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Wow. David's thinking about one thing only. Payback. Getting back at them. Hurting him. 
That's what happens when you're provoked and you're reacting. All-consuming mindset takes over. That's the power of the offense, isn't it? That tells you that there's the power in the offenses because you want to take over and you want to hurt them. You want to make them pay. That's our society right now, isn't it? Because we live in a culture of getting even, of losing our cool, and it's okay. I mean, we're watching it. I'm, I'm seriously, we're watching it played out on our TVs, don't we? we I mean, nobody wants to talk to each other anymore. We want to destroy each other. But God's calling us to something different. Especially if you call on his name as a believer. So I want you to notice now the story changes, the shifts here now, because this is David, he's reacting, because obviously we know that something, if you've read the story, you know something changes. Something obviously changes David because God has a reason for this story being there. He's had one opportunity to destroy somebody who's hurt him, he's not taken it. Now here's a guy who's just, I mean, this is not even Saul trying to kill him. This is a guy who's just insulted him. That's all this guy's doing is insulting him. And not giving him some sheep to eat. But David's getting ready to wipe him out and every male that's working for him. But obviously that didn't take place. And it's because of a woman by the name of Abigail, who is Nabal's wife. So I want you to notice with me, verse 14. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us. We were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were like a wall to us, by, both by night and, and day, and all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master, for against his household, for he is such a scoundrel and no one could speak to him. Verse 18, then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I'm coming after you. And she did not tell her husband Nabal. So it was that as she rode on the donkey, that she went down under the cover of the hill, and there was David and his men coming down towards her, and she met them. Now look at verse 23. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. Please let your maidservant speak in your ear, and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is in him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, here's the first thing I want you to see. If you and I are going to get control, we're going to stop in the story, I'm going to give you the first point. Here it is. If you and I are going to get control, and we're not going to react because of the personal offense, because the fact of the matter is, folks, realize it, you're going to get offended. You will get offended today. You will get offended tomorrow. You're going to get offended. 
So here's the first thing. If you're going to let it go, if you're going to get control, if you're going to live by faith, here it is. Here's the first one. You have to stop, listen, and think before you react. You have to stop, listen, and think before you react. Because that's what's happening here. David, he is ready to go get some payback. He's going to destroy Nabal. He's going to make him suffer. He's going to kill every male in his household, which obviously must be a big household. What's keeping him from going? This woman shows up, and she gets him to what? Stop, listen, and think. Because that's what she's doing here. Whoa, David, ho, ho. Oh, if you're mad, take it out on me. I didn't know. Now, why is it significant that she says, I didn't know? Well, because the actual fact is, in their culture, the one who ran the house, the one that you would go to to make the request for something to eat or whatever, isn't the guy. It's the lady who runs the house. Who's the lady who runs the house? Abigail. She runs the house. How do you know that, George? Read Proverbs 31. You've heard of the Proverbs 31 woman, right? What did the Proverbs 31 woman do? She ran her household. She ran the house. She says, I didn't hear the request. Take it out on me. So she's getting David to do three things. Stop, listen, and think. Think about it. Why? Because remember I told you when we react, we're not thinking. And one of the things we're not thinking about is what? The consequences and the collateral damage about our reacting. So this is the first thing. If you and I are going to let it go, we got to stop, listen, and think. Well, you say, well, sometimes, Lord, George, I don't have time to stop, listen, and think because I need to respond immediately. I'm going to tell you right now, no, you don't. You're telling yourself you need to respond immediately, but you don't have to. Because if you feel like you have to, you're not the one who's in control. Who's in control? The one who offended you. The offense is in control. Remember I told you the power of the offense. But by you stopping, by you listening, and by you thinking, you're regaining control. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're regaining control. All right, let's go on. Here's the, let's continue on with the story. Look with me. Verse 26. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now listen then. Let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. Now this present which your maidservant has brought to you, my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout all your days." Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from a pocket of a sling. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Here's the second thing. Examine and consider every aspect of the offense through the eyes of faith. That's what she's doing here. She's getting him to think about what is going on here. Think about what you're getting upset about. 
Think about what's provoking you. Think about what's trying to control your life. You've got to examine and consider every aspect of the offense, not from your feelings, because if it's from your feelings, you're going to react. But you've got to think about it through the eyes of faith. Now, what does that mean, through the eyes of faith? Well, that's from the perspective of realizing that, number one, God is in control. And nothing happens to you except God allow it. And for some reason, God's allowed this to happen right now. Do you understand? For a purpose in your life. So you've got to consider every aspect of that offense. Because when you start processing, because that's what's going on, is you've got to process it. You've got to process it through the Lord. And think about it, because that's what she's saying to him. She's saying to him, think about who he is. He's a fool. Think about what's going on in your life. Somebody's seeking your life, but God's going to establish you, David. God's keeping you from bloodshed. Me showing up here is keeping you from bloodshed because one day when you do become king, that's what she's saying to him, you will become king. No one's going to say to him, well, you're pretty dirty as king because you killed some idiot back there, a fool, out of reaction. So you've got to examine and consider every aspect of the offense through the eyes of faith. Let's continue on in the story. Just a couple more verses. Look at verse 30. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with you, then remember your maidservant. Here's the final thing I want you to see. Consider the long-term implications for your life. You've got to consider the long-term implications. I mean, let, let's just stop for a moment. I want you to consider with me, okay? So think about your life, all right? I can think about my life and think back on my life, and I can think back to opportunities that presented themselves for something to happen. That would have been good if I could have done them. But at the same time, at the same time, something happened, and I reacted to it. And when I reacted to it, I blew the opportunity away. Now, I'm not the only one that that's happened to. That's happened to some of you, too. You can think back over your life, Opportunities are there, and then something provokes you. Something insignificant happens if you think about it, and you react. And in your reaction, you blow apart the opportunity, and it never comes back. And now you live with the regrets. If I hadn't have acted that way, if I hadn't have responded that way, if I had this is what if I hadn't have said that. Isn't that what we say? If I hadn't have said that, because you wish you could take back the words once you utter them, but you can't. See, this is why you've got to stop, listen, and think. You've got to consider the long-term implications of your life, because that's what Abigail is saying to, to, to David. David, one day you're going to be king, and when you are king, you can look back and say, I didn't shed innocent blood. I didn't just react and take a fool's life. I didn't avenge myself. You've got to consider the long-term effects. That's faith. 
That's letting it go. That's letting it go. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.